0: if you can get your bibles to the book of acts chapter 13 and one of my greatest desires for this church is that we would come to a place of being a church that the presence of god would be so heavy in this in this place that it wouldn't be us um telling each other to stand up and give God the praise, but it would be God having to tell us to stand up because we would be laid prostrated before the Lord. And if you read in the Old Testament, it was God that had to tell the people to get up from his presence because his presence was so heavy. And nowadays, it's almost where we walk in and we're just so, you know, void of his presence. And it boggles me how we could be in such an atmosphere, and I see sometimes people just standing there, and I'm like, oh, God, touch them, because when we're in the presence, there's nothing like it, and my greatest desire is that all would come to know Christ, and not just know him as the Savior, but know him as his Lord, know him as the Redeemer, know him in his presence, in his holiness, in his fire, and so that's one of my prayers is that our church would be such a place where the Spirit of the Lord would just reign, And we would just have to drop to our knees because he's so here, right? And so um, I want to thank my husband for this opportunity, of course. And he's such a great husband. And if you want to know stories, you can call me, text me. I'll tell you some stories about how he's allowed me to be who I am today as a mother. He's been such a great example. And his family has been a great example for me as well. And so I want to thank my baby's daddy, my daddy. My daddy my beautiful husband, the God that has provided such a great husband. So I love you. I honor you today as well. Thank you for letting me be a mom and being free to be that mom. Amen? Amen. In Acts chapter 13, verse 36, and thank you ministers for allowing me and ministers wise for allowing me to be my role here in this church as well. I honor you today as well. In Acts 13, verse 36, it says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. I'm going to read that one more time. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, and was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. That's a pretty heavy uh, scripture, isn't it? It's simple, but it has so much depth to it. And you may take your seats. And here, I'm going to just give you some definitions so we get a clearer understanding of where we're going. And it says here, for David, after he served his own generation, by the will of God, he fell asleep. And uh, we've talked about David in our... In our sanctuary here and we, I think a lot of us know who David is. He was the king of Israel and he reigned for many years upon many years and he was a God-fearing man and he led his people to the Lord and he was a warrior. He fought the enemy and defeated the enemy even when the Ark of the Covenant was taken. He went to the enemy and took that Ark of the Covenant and brought it back into Jerusalem and the people praised him and um, there's a famous story even in that Where I love David because he speaks to me and he gives me the freedom to come to this altar and be undignified. Because the word says that when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought back to Jerusalem, that he praised God so hard that his clothes fell off. And his wife, you know, rebuked him and despised him, the word says. And out of that despising moment, she told her husband, like, David, like, how could you be so foolish being out there like that, naked, dancing? And he's like, how much more will I be undignified before my Lord? How much more? Why not? Why not praise God in the way that I, you know, did? I mean, he's done so much. And so whenever I think about people jumping at the altar and and looking foolish, I want to be right there looking undignified because our praise and our worship is only to one. And that's to our God. And so I love David because he has made an impact, not just in his generation, but he has made an impact throughout generations upon generations, including our generation. And so I love it. And then it says here that um, he made an impact in his generation. And uh, one of the key words here is generation. Another key word is served. And another key key word is own. And here it says for a generation, it means to be um, a generation was that which has been begotten, men of the same stock, a family that success, uh, the successive, in members of a genealogy, a group of men, women, um, alike that have the same pursuits and the same characters. And here, David made the impact of having a desire for God. He led his people to have that same desire for God. Right? There was the same characteristic, same spirit. Another key word here is served. He um, acted as a rower. When you're um, taking a boat and you see those people rowing a boat, how many of us know they have one goal, and that one goal is to row in the same direction? And so he rowed a generation in one direction, and that was to the Lord, right? To fear God, to obey the commands of God. Another, this is a heavy one. Another key word here is that David, um, after he had served his own generation, it means he took ownership of his generation. And that's a pretty heavy statement because when we take ownership, we take ownership of our houses, we take ownership of our children, we take ownership of our cars, we have insurance for them, we take ownership even at our jobs. But David not only took ownership of, of the call of God, but he took ownership of a generation that he knew that God had entrusted him to lead. And so here David took that responsibility and understood that his very life's purpose was not just for self, but it was for the very will of God to be fulfilled and for the people to be led to God. We have many great examples of men and women who have served generations. One, of course, are the disciples. And I don't know if you guys have really ever studied the disciples, but do you know that all those 12 disciples, minus one, which was Judas, all died as martyrs except for one that every one of those disciples knew their very purpose in life after they encountered Jesus, and that they literally died for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They knew their purpose was to preach the gospel, and not just preach the gospel, but die for the gospel. And so that when they closed their eyes and when their spirit went to God, they knew, I have done the very work that you have called me to do. I am here. Right, Another great example, of course, is Paul the Apostle. We always read about him. He's all over the book of Acts. One of the greatest men of God ever possible to have lived this earth. And he is one of the greatest examples that we follow after. Even as women, we want to be like him, right? We get so much insight, so much wisdom from all the things that he, he has written in the Bible. And he has made such an impact that today, thousands of years later, We strive to be like him. We want to be like him. We want to be like Paul, the apostle, besides Jesus, of course, right? He has made an impact in his generation. Another one is Pastor David Wilkerson. We had Nikki Cruz just the other week, and he was sharing about how David Wilkerson went to him and preached the gospel to him and how Nikki spit at his face. And not only spit at his face, but he burned his car down, totally completed, demolished his car humiliated him, wanted to slap him. I think he even slapped him. But David stood his ground, and he knew what God had given him to do, a country boy, to go into the inner city, and not just any inner city, one of the most dangerous, if not the dangerous inner city of the United States. And the Lord spoke to him and told him, go to New York, and go reach the gang member, go reach the drug addict. start team challenge, and through that you will reach many And not only did he do and answer the call of God, but it was because of David Wilkerson's obedience that Nicky Cruz was reached. And not just Nikki Cruz, but our very own Pastor Sonny Argonzoni. How many of us know that this man was destined for greatness, that not just in his own time was he fulfilling the call, but he was fulfilling the call for generations that were going to be behind him. And so he knew the very purpose. He took ownership of his very purpose. And because of that, we were given a founder that knew his vision. And his vision, Pastor Sunny and Sister Julie, their vision was to go into every inner city of the world and preach the gospel. And, but not just preach the gospel to anybody. I mean, we have a focus. And that focus is the drug addict. That focus is the gang member. That focus is the prostitute. That focus is the down and outer that nobody wants to reach. Except through victory outreach, we can. And that's the anointing that we have. We have founders that have a fulfilled a vision, and they continue to fulfill that vision, but not just fulfilled it for themselves, for their own generation, and for the generations after them. And we as the gang, God's anointing now generation, we have to take that ownership and say, I'm going to take the ownership of this calling. I'm going to take that ownership, not just for myself or for my generation, right? We also have a great and a rich legacy here in Hayward, California. My husband shares it. Pastor Steve and Sister Josie, they came from Southern Cal from the mother church, and the Lord spoke to Pastor Steve and said, we're going to take Hayward, Josie, let's go. And they just got the blessing just to go. They didn't get finances. They didn't get support. They took Stelman when he was a baby. I believe he was one or two, one years old. And they brought him up here to Northern California and started their church on Ruth's Road in a little garage and the Lord moved on their behalf and they knew their their calling they knew that they had an anointing over their lives and they took ownership of that anointing they took ownership of the vision and they came to Hayward California and preached and reached and discipled and raised up many mighty men many mighty women of God and to this day we quote them don't we we quote Sister Josie. We quote Pastor Steve. We're reminded every service what Pastor Steve would say. We always hear one of my f- greatest favorite, script, uh, not scripture, excuse me, statements is if you're going to put your best foot forward, make sure it's shining. I love that. I'm like, God, I got to make sure my shoes are shined every time. But I love it because the impact that these men and these women of God have made in their lives, and to this day, even after their death, we continue to encounter their impact. That's heavy, right? That even after they're dead and they, they're resting with their fathers, that they continue to impact us today. That's heavy. You know somebody took ownership and made an impact when they're dead and we're still talking about them. That's heavy, right? My question is to you today, what are you doing with your time and your very purpose? Are we able to reflect on our life and say that we have really taken ownership? Can you ask yourself, have I really understood my purpose in my life? And have I really inspected and dissected my life to make sure that I'm making the impact? And if I haven't, have I researched what can make me a better mom? What can make me a better whatever it is that you're striving to be, right? Are we able to? I remember a couple years ago, this is I think when I had my moment. And as funny as it is, it's recent. It was about five years ago. And this is gonna be really funny. But how many of you guys love Red Bulls? I just love Red Bulls. I haven't drank Red Bulls in six months. And so I made a commitment, I'm gonna take a break because that's how much I love them. Because I didn't just love them, I invested in that company and they owe me a lot of money they're not going to get me back though but what happened was i was drinking so many red bulls that my heart started to hurt and i remember reading an article just about the same week how somebody had died because they drank like eight red bulls and they had a cardiac arrest and he was a teenager he was like 19 years old and he died and I remember I was at leadership retreat, and I, call, I, te- I think I called or texted Sister Bev, and I said, just be ready. You might, you know, my heart is hurting. You might need to take me to the ER. And she was like, well, why? And I was too embarrassed to tell her why, because I'm like, because of Red Bulls. You know, that's embarrassing. But I remember crying. As silly as it was, I cried, because I th- all I could think of was, Lord, what's going to happen to my kids? Who's going to take care of my kids? how will Esteban make it without me? How will, who will he marry? Will he marry somebody that's worthy to be a mother? And you know, as silly as it sounds, I really had a moment. And I thought, if I die because of this silliness, because of, of a Red Bull, can I say that I made an impact in my generation? Can I say that I fulfilled my calling as a wife? Can I say that I did my role the best to my ability as a mother. And that was a time and a week that none of the the messages were great. They were awesome. But it was in my room where the Lord dealt with me and showed me that, no, Chella, you have not. And I realized, God, I got to get it together here. I want to be a better mom. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better whatever I need to be. And I said it, in my mind and in my heart. And I said, Lord, I'm going to complain less. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to love on my husband more. I'm going to be more grateful. And have I succeeded in all that? No, but I'm trying. Because I want to make sure that as when David passed away and he rested with his fathers, I want to be able to know that when I die, I have a peace. Not just with my maker, but with the generation that I was around. I have peace to know I did my part. I impacted you. I discipled you to the best of my ability. I mentored you. I spoke life over you. I prayed and I fasted for you. I did the best of my ability. And I can go now. How many of us want to make that impact in our generation? And nowadays, I want to share some names with you. How many of us know that Steve, Steve Jobs? I love Steve Jobs. Do you guys know who he is? Everybody knows he is. That is a man that has made an impact in his generation. And he has a heavy testimony. He's adopted. So, all those who are adopted, you could thank God because there is greatness in those who are adopted. There is greatness destined for those who are adopted. And if you don't have a model to follow after, you could follow Moses because he's adopted and Steve Jobs. And there you go. You have a promising future. He is, a, he is one of the um, greatest generals of our time when it comes to technology. He, w- he brought a revolution to the computer industry, to the technology industry. He has made an impact in his generation. And even when he was um, taken off of the board of Apple, he continued on with his own company called Nex. And it, he was thriving and striving in his own company. And when Apple was starting to enter into bankruptcy, Apple asked him back and asked, come on, Joe, we need you, or jobs, we need you. And so this man, he lived a legacy that made an impact, not just in his generation, but in our generation and in the youth generation. That even my children, they have been impacted because they're on the phone. I wanna play on the phone. What is that app? I wanna play with that app. I wanna listen to music on your phone. He has made an impact in his generation. Another name I wanna share with you really quickly, and I don't think you guys know this name at all. He has passed away, but he's still making an impact in our generation. His name is Chileo Yuvedia and he passed away when he was 89. Do you guys know who that is? No, he is the inventor and the creator of Red Bull. He is a Thai individual, he is from Thailand and he was a multi-billionaire, multi. And I'm one of the reasons why he's the (laughs) multi-billionaire. Right? How many of you guys know who Griselda Blanco is? Only a few of us know. Oh, Eric, you know, (laughs) just kidding. We know, men's home knows, right? Erica, you know too. No, I'm kidding. Griselda Blanco, do you know that she is the first woman multi-billionaire, not millionaire, billionaire drug lord from Colombia? And do you know that it was Escobar, Pablo Escobar? We all know who he is because he's in the movies, he's glorified. There's pictures about him. When you hear Pablo Escobar, you think immediately, drug lord. But do you know that Griselda Blanco discipled him? And that it was him that dethroned her in time. Griselda Blanco. She is is the reason why there are drugs all over this country. She made an impact in her generation. That even to this day, she just died several years ago, I believe in 2005 or 2007. She made an impact a pioneering impact for others to have a way of doing things. Let me ask you another question. As King David took ownership, how many of us are taking ownership of our families, taking ownership of our our lives, of our spouses? But... How many of us are taking ownership of our friends' children's? Or or, excuse me, our children's friends? When you go to the schools, do you take ownership when you see that kid that doesn't have good clothes? Do you invite them over? When you see that neighborhood kid in your neighborhood, do you go minister to them? Do you go out of your way to defend somebody that's helpless? I'm asking you these questions because I want to stimulate your thinking. And I know that I almost, I, I think I realized how um, protective I am. The mama lioness came out. But last year, my husband probably laughs at this story, but last year I, I saw some kids throwing rocks throwing rocks through these three older kids. They were like probably in the fifth grade, the, o- the oldest grade that you can be, the highest grade you can be in elementary. And I saw these kids throwing some rocks at something behind a bush. And I had my kids with me and I had Mondo with me and we were driving down the street and I'm just looking and I'm like, I'm always like looking and watching what's going on around me. And I saw these kids throwing rocks and I was like, I rolled down my window because I want to see, wh- who are you throwing rocks at? And I saw these uh, younger kids in the bushes hiding, like this, like, ah. And I told those boys, I said, hey, stop throwing those rocks. And they were throwing, like, what? And I said, yeah, I'm talking to you. Stop throwing those rocks. Had to get the mama voice out. The Oakland came out of me, too. And I said, stop throwing those rocks right now. I wasn't throwing rocks. Yes, you were. I saw you. Stop it. "Uh, Okay. And I said, and I better not see you throwing rocks again at those kids. You want to see on me? Oh, I wasn't throwing rocks. Yes, you were. Threw them down, w- watching them. Okay, get to walking now. I started walking, and then I rolled down my win- I rolled up my window, and I started driving. Then I heard them call me the B word. And I was like, Oh no, you didn't! Reverse. Hold up. Arr! Wait, what did you say? I said, What did you call me? Nothing on his. Oh, okay. I didn't. I hope you didn't call me anything. Rolled down my window. Come on, Mondo, sit down. Oh, oh, and they started saying stuff again. And so I pulled, ro- 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 parked my car, rolled down my window, waited for them to come. They stopped because they were scared of me. And I was like, "Yeah, you better stop." I didn't. I don't think so. And then all of a sudden, I started driving again, and then they started walking. And then they said, F you, you F and B. I was like, oh, uh uh-uh, wait a minute, hold up. And so I parked my car and I got out. And I said, you want to call me something? You want to call me the B word? Oh, you want to cuss at me? Don't you know I could be your mother right now? Is that how you treat your mother? Is that how you talk to her? No, no, I didn't call you that. Yes, you did. And so I was like, get over here and tell that to my face. I was like, oh, my God, I'm a grown woman talking to a kid like we're going to fight or something. I was so mad. And not mad because they were disrespecting me, but mad because I wanted to get a hold of them. And I was like, God, I'm going to grab this kid and pray for this kid and minister to him because something is going on in his household where he feels free enough to disrespect a mother, a grown woman, and feel like that was okay. And so I literally pulled over to the side into the Walgreens parking lot because that's how, that's how much we were getting into it. And I got out of the car and I waited. And those kids, because it was just there was like four of them, they were so scared they would not cross the street. And so I was like, uh-uh, not on my watch, boo. That's not going to happen. You're not going to bully any kids. If I see you bullying anybody, I'm stepping in. But I felt such an indignation inside of me and I thought, God, If that was my son throwing rocks, oh, he would have got it. He would have got it good. Or if those were my children getting bullied, Lord, send somebody to protect those who cannot. And I felt such an indignation, and it just stirred me up. And I said, Lord, I need to make sure that, even if I don't know these kids, that I would take ownership of these children, that I would step in the way for them and defend them if I have to. Because I would hate to know That if those are my children, nobody would take ownership of them. And so it's so important that we take ownership. You know why? Let me tell you why. Because as we maybe are not taking ownership or we need to more, do you know that there's another generation that's taking ownership of your children and mine? They come in the form of the Kardashians. They come in the form of Beyonce. They come in a form that says self-hatred, false religion, violence, video games. There are companies, there are men and women that have established companies, music, images that are taking our generation and they're going the extra mile, plus the extra mile, to take ownership of our generation, of our children, yours and mine, to the point where even Beyonce, there's a, rel- a false religion going out and they're calling her a deity, a goddess, and that there is an actual church that has been established in Atlanta, Georgia, United States of America, and they worship her. There is a demonic influence behind her that it has deceived a generation of people and said, we're gonna worship this deity and how many of us know that that is not of God? When you think of the Kardashians, when you look at these artists, you know what they're promoting besides their music? is self-hatred. And let me tell you why. There's all these commercials, all these shows about cosmetic surgery. Well, if you don't like your behind, you can put injects in them. You can inject them and make them bigger. If you don't like your face, you can cut it up and fix your nose and, Fix your eyes and do your forehead and do your whole body. If you don't like your body, well, you can do a a lift, a body lift. It'll cost you your soul, but go ahead if that's what you want to be. That there is a generation that is teaching self-hatred. And they're coming in such a way that is so smooth that we don't even realize the impact that our children are being raised up, hating their faces, hating their skin, hating their bodies. God never created us in the form or in the image of man in the media. He created us in the image of him. And that's what we need to teach our children, that you're beautiful, that you're in the image of God, that you are the apple of God's eye, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But there is a generation today that is saying self-hatred, 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 and it's streaming through the music. It's streaming through the media. It's streaming through the television sets. It's streaming through Nickelodeon. It's streaming through the Disney Channel. No, not the Disney Channel. Yes, the Disney Channel. There is a generation today that is taking ownership and they're going hard for the enemy. They're going hard for Satan to captivate to deceive, to bewitch this generation, to believe that this is the right way. And so I challenge you today, what are we doing? Are we rowing the boat in the right way? Are we rowing our our generation towards God? Are we leading and fulfilling the very will of God, not just for ourselves, but for the generation that looks at us, for a generation that seeks to look up to somebody these children who have they don't have fathers they don't have mothers they're living with their grandmother can we be that generation that they can look up to or are we walking by and not even taking a, a, a look and seeing the need in our neighborhood do you know your neighbors can you minister when you see these children at school and your friends want your children want to bring them over do you bring them over We have a little friend. His name is Remington. Uh, We're trying to bring him over to the church, and he comes faithfully. But it's his mom and his dad that I'm trying to get to. But I'm going to get this Remington. I'm going to get that little boy saved. And Remington is just one of the very many kids that need an, uh, an example, that need healthy men, healthy women of God to look up to. I don't know if Remington might be the next Billy Crown. He just might be. He might have the ultimate testimony. He might go around the world like Nicky Cruz sharing his testimony. And thousands of souls, thousands might get saved. Because someone would take ownership. Someone would say, I'm going to steer the road. I'm going to steer this boat. I'm going to lead them in the way of God. I want to ask you today to close your eyes and think about a simple message. This is nothing deep. Simple. And I'm going to read the scripture and I want you to ask yourself, when I die like David, by the will of God, did I fulfill the very purpose that God ordained me to fulfill. The word says, for David, after he had served, ministered, loved, cared for, fed, clothed, prayed, fasted, sacrificed, died to self, carried his cross, after he ministered and served his own generation by the will of God fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. Think about it. If I die tonight, have I fulfilled my purpose? Have I ran the race? Have I finished? by the will of God, strong. When I saw this scripture, it stood out to me in such a way that has made me have to think about being intentional, about making sure that I fulfill what I said I was going to fulfill. And I'm bringing this scripture out to us, not just because it's Mother's Day, because it's great. Yes, hallelujah, we're celebrating mothers because we honor you today, absolutely. But I believe that we're not just called to be mothers here. We're called to be pastors. We're called to be evangelists. We're called to be the light of the world. We're called to countries that some of you guys will go to and you'll never come back from. And I know that one of my husband's greatest desires and his father's greatest desires was to see men and women with their children answer the call. And there is a dying world that is crying out for a generation to take ownership of their country. You can let him up, that's fine. He can come up here. But there's a generation that's crying out in all over the world. And they're saying, somebody, please take ownership of my people. Please. Take ownership of my country. Please take ownership of my city. Somebody. And so I want to encourage you today that as we learn to take ownership in our homes and with our children and with our families, I believe God wants you to go to another level, to go to another realm to go to another place of responsibility and answer that call. Because David, it took seasons for him to answer the call. And then when he got into his rightful place, he was, had the freedom and the liberty to do all that he needed to do to serve his generation. And he did it well. Despite his flaws, despite his errors, God still had his hand upon his life. And he still, by the will of God, fulfilled it. And so I pray today that as we thank our mothers and as we thank all that they have done, that we continue to press forward, that we continue to live in the way that God has called us to live, but that we would think a little less of ourselves, a little less of our ways, and remember that we would be a mother, not just to our own children, That we wouldn't be just a father, not just to our own family, but that we would be mothers and fathers and leaders and rowers of a generation that is lost, that is aimless. And so I want you to, I want to ask you to stand up today. And I don't know how this message Minister to you? I know it did somehow. But however it did minister to you, I pray that when we leave this altar, that we would really go home with an intent to ask, where do I need to improve in my life? Who do I need to improve with? How can I improve the man or the woman of God inside of me? How can I improve the parenting inside of me? How can I improve being a light to my neighborhood? How can I improve being the very woman or man or son or daughter, whatever you need to be? How? And that we would allow God to really minister to us so that as we allow God to minister us, we can make the very impact that this generation needs us to do for their sake. Amen? How many of you wanna make that impact? How many of you really wanna make that impact and do exactly what God has called you to do?
1: I know I wanna make that impact. I know I'm trying. Let me tell you, I am
0: trying to make the impact that I'm supposed to do for God. And I pray that your desire would be, I wanna be better. I want to be better for you, Lord. I want to answer that call. I want to take that city. I want to make that impact in my generation. I want to know that when I die, I have done all that you have called me.